0: Church over the years, uh, and this is my first time to ever step through the door. Somebody said, "Uh oh, it's all good." I've just always admired this church from afar. Um, always just heard great things about the history of this church and uh, some of the individuals that have led here over the years. And uh, it's just an honor to be here with you all today and have the opportunity to minister the word of the Lord here and in Lone Oak. Hey, Amen. You have a great church, great people. Here, You guys have already been so kind to me, and I'm appreciative of that. I honor your pastor, Brother Warbington, Sister Warbington. I've known both of them for a very long time. I was telling some I knew them in separate circles of people. Um, and so I knew that there was an age difference between them. Um, Because I knew them in different circles. But when they got married, I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's just really cool. It was like two circles uh, marrying. In my life, it was different because I knew them, like I said, from two different uh, parts of life. I knew Brother Warbington as the single evangelist. Um, But I do honor Brother Warbington today. And I I hate that they're not here. I wish that uh, they were here today. They're good friends of my wife and I. And I do also want to say that I honor your youth pastor and youth pastor's wife, the Starks. And we appreciate them and all that they do for the kingdom of God. Amen. And also the Dixons, uh, or not the Dixons, I'm sorry, the Cottermans. <laughs> uh, I knew Robin when she was a Dixon, but she's not anymore. But it's good to be here with them today. We go be- uh, back several years to South Arkansas, but y'all did a great job this morning, didn't they? Amen. I just want to say also that my wife, Joelle, hates that she couldn't be here today uh, when Brother Warmington called I was like, yes, you already talked to my pastor, I'll be there, we'll be there. And then I got to talk to my wife, and I forgot that she had already committed to be teaching a class today at our church, and uh, she doesn't teach that class ever, so I felt bad to have her not do that today. So she stayed back so she could teach that class today, and she stayed back with my two girls, Anna and Esri, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. I do wish they were all with me today, though. But I'm blessed, anyways, to be with you guys, and I'm really thankful for what I already feel in this place. God's presence is here; He's already done a great work in some lives today, and I believe that miracles are in this place. Amen. If you want to stand with me for the reading of the word, you're, you're welcome to. Uh, I want to read out of the book of Mark, chapter chapter number twelve, starting in verse number twenty-eight through thirty-four. Brother Starks was promoting Move the Mission formerly Sheaves for Christ. And I've had some ask me what my little button was today. And that is a Move the Mission lapel pin. And the reason why is, obviously, as Brother Stark said, I serve as the youth president. And today is actually the national Move the Mission offering day. And I know there are a lot of fundraisers happening over the next few weeks at different churches. But with today being the national offering day, I already had decided no matter where I was going to church today, I was wearing my little pin today. So just in case you were wondering what that was, It's just promoting move the mission. Aren't you thankful you can be a part of something so much bigger than yourselves? Amen. Mark chapter 12, verse number 28 is where I'll start. One of the scribes came to Jesus, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, he asked him, he asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, well, master, thou hast hast the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that the scribe answered discreetly or with understanding, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask Jesus any questions. I didn't come with a fancy sermon today and I hope that's okay. Normally, I have like a really fancy sermon. I'm just kidding. I normally don't. But today, I definitely didn't come with a fancy sermon. I came with a lot of scriptures, and I just came with a burden to just make a declaration today, a very simple one, but a very important one. Jesus is Lord. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is Lord. If you believe that, can you clap your hands and let's lift our voices to the Lord one more time? speak to us today God through your word I ask in the name of Jesus thank you very much you may be seated everybody say amen amen Amen. Jesus is Lord never preached here could have preached a million different things Uh, could have shared many different thought processes or sermon tiles or different things with you and when you haven't preached somewhere before you get a little bit tempted to kind of preach something catchy or something fun or, or whatever it might be. But I couldn't get away from what I'm going to minister to you this morning. Like I said, I have a lot of scriptures that might be a little bit like a Bible study. For many, I'm not preaching anything that you haven't heard before. But today, I to, want to declare in this place that Jesus is Lord. There is a truth that is woven throughout the entire Bible that there is only one God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And here's the foundation for what I want to preach to you this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 39. Whether you've heard what I'm preaching this morning before or you haven't, here's the foundation for for where I want us to go today. Deuteronomy 4 and 39 says to know therefore this day. Everybody say this day. And consider it. Everybody say consider it. Know this day and consider it in our hearts that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. He's God in heaven above and He's God on the earth beneath. There is nobody else. There's the foundation for what I'm preaching today to us that we would know it and that we would consider it In our hearts on this day, that He is the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 4 through 7, the passage that Jesus quoted in our text, it's called the Shema. Judaism refers to this as the Shema. It's the most important statement of their faith, it's the foundation for everything else. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your might. I don't want to get too far ahead of me today, but the Shema is not just, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, but it's the second part of that too. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Those things are all in one there. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto your children. You shall talk of them when thou settest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It's called the Shema, and it's the foundation of Judaism. For us Christians today, us Jesus' name believers, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, is also our foundation. Amen? And Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, what I opened with, he confirmed that this was the first commandment. The Lord our God is one And we are to love him with all. Everybody say all. all. We are to love him with all. And Jesus went a step further and said the second is like unto that, and that is that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves." And he said there's no commandments as important as these. Continuing in the Old Testament, Isaiah 45, 5 through 6 says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they or that all the world may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I like how big that got on the screen. There is none else. Isaiah 46 and 9 tells us to remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. In the Old Testament, when we see the word Lord, it simply means Jehovah, or the definition of that would be the existing one. The existing one. And when we see the name Jesus in the New Testament, it means this, jehovah is salvation i'm sure many of you already knew that but it's a powerful revelation if you haven't that the jehovah of the old testament is the jesus of the new testament that jesus's name means jehovah is salvation or jehovah has become my salvation salvation is found in the name of jesus I don't want to get too far ahead of myself today, but I'll move to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There's only one God, and the the baby that was born was God with us. John 1 and 1 says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And skipping to verse 14, it says that that Word, that was God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I had a young person one time when I was youth pastoring that asked me, is it okay to call Jesus the Son of God? I said, absolutely it's okay to call Jesus the Son of God, because the Bible calls Jesus Jesus. The son of God. But the reason why she was asking that question is she was a little confused. How can there only be one God and his name is Jesus if Jesus is also the son of God? Because in our culture, in our context, if you're the son of somebody, there's two different people, right? But she was asking it because we preach, and I'm preaching this morning, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so by technicality, Jesus was the son because he was born of a woman. He, was, he became flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that? Jesus. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He was born of a woman, which makes him a son. But he didn't have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. Because the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and she gave birth to a son whose name was Jesus. And the angel told Mary, He shall save his people from their sins. So yes, we can call Jesus the son of God. He's the only one that can be the father and the son all at the same time. Because the spirit overshadowed Mary and she gave birth to a son. It doesn't say the father overshadowed Mary. It says the spirit of God overshadowed Mary. And the bottom line there is that the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost, all these three are one and his name is I'll say it one more time. His name is Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And that Word that was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Ephesians 4 says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. James 2 and 19 says, if you believe that there is one God, you do well. It says, the devils also believe, and they tremble. Revelation 4 and 2, John said, immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one, everybody say one, one One that sat on that throne. I know I'm going through a lot of scripture real quick, but I'm going to take just a couple here, and we're going to just kind of break them down just a little bit. Let's look together at Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 20. It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. For one, that kind of blows my mind because it says the invisible things are clearly seen. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? The invisible things are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul, who wrote Romans... He was arguing that the existence of God can clearly be seen and understood by humanity just by looking at His creation, even without the benefits of having the Bible, the Word of God that I'm quoting from, that I'm reading from today. Paul said, basically, if we didn't even have the Word of God, the invisible things of Him can be clearly seen when we look at creation. When we look at the the things that were made by Him, we can see that there is a God. Creation declares the existence of God. Creation's a pretty amazing thing, and not to get too bogged down, but it's pretty awesome when you really consider all of the things, the air that we breathe, the the plants, the flowers, the seasons, all the different things. Creation declares that there is a God. Amen? The book of Psalms tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Creation declares that there is a God. Paul goes on to say that it declares His eternal power and His Godhead. Godhead is a term that that isn't really used in, in our day very much, except for at church, you don't really use the word Godhead. But another term for Godhead could be called divine nature. So Paul said that we can look at creation and we can see clearly That God is understood by the things that are made and His eternal power and His divine nature is shown through His creation. Today I challenge all of us just to look around at the beautiful birds, the beautiful flowers and to consider the glory of God that we can see all around us every day. It's the glory that was revealed to us just through creation. His creation speaks of His eternal power and His Godhead so they are without excuse in Colossians chapter 2 starting in verse number 8 it says beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him everybody say Jesus It says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after traditions, after other things and not after Christ. For in Christ, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him. Everybody say Jesus. Which which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Jesus. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All power in heaven and in earth belongs to me. We are complete in the one who holds all power. If somebody holds all power, that means nobody else holds any power. Jesus holds all power in heaven and in earth. Somebody say amen. And the Bible says that in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily and we you and I are complete we can be made complete in him and we can only be saved through him because neither is there salvation in any other name for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved now back to Colossians we're complete in him which is the head of all principality and power and verse 11 says in whom everybody say Jesus Also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him. Everybody say Jesus. We're buried with Him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with Him. Everybody say Jesus. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. In order to be buried with Jesus in baptism, we must be baptized in his name. Amen? Let's look at 1 Timothy 3 and 16. It says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So it tells us it's a mystery and then it lays it out for us. God, everybody say God. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels, God was preached unto the Gentiles, God was believed on in the world, and God was received up into glory. Who fits all of those categories? His name is Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Jesus was preached unto the Gentiles. Jesus was believed on in the world, and Jesus was received up into glory. What makes the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus even more powerful than what many people understand about it is the fact that Jesus was God. That God came to this earth, manifest Himself in the flesh, and that God, that perfect, spotless Lamb, laid down His life so that you and I might have life. Amen. John the Baptist saw Him coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was the perfect spotless lamb, the only one that could take away sin because he was God manifest in the flesh. And that God humbled himself even to the death of the cross so that you and I might have life and so that we might have it more abundantly. Can we give him a hand clap of praise and just tell him thank you? what makes it so powerful, then what many people understand is that Jesus was not a second person of the Godhead, but Jesus was God. And He died for you and I. He came to this earth, robed Himself in the flesh, and He was our perfect sacrifice. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15, it says, Who is the image of? of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Everybody say Jesus. It says Jesus is the, this scripture is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The word image in that verse comes from the same word that we get our word icon from such as an icon that's on a screen. That's what I think of when I think of the word icon. I think of, I left my phone over there, but if you have your phone uh, and you have the little icons on the screen, those icons represent something, right? And what happens when you click on one of those icons? Something opens up, right? Uh, So that's the word icon. Well, the word image in Colossians 1 and 15 is where we get our word icon. So when you click on an icon on a screen something opens up more than what you saw on the surface. All right? Jesus was more than what he appeared to be on the surface. He was the image. He was the icon of the invisible God. I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus was the icon, and there was so much more to him than what the eye could see. But it's like an icon on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer. You click on it or you tap on it and it opens up windows and it opens up more more to the story than what you're able to see with your eye. Jesus was that. He was the icon, the image of the invisible God. He was so much more than what you saw on the surface. Because many people thought that Jesus was just another man. Many people, when they saw Jesus, they said, he's just a carpenter's son. He's just another mere human. The Pharisees, who, by all accounts, they knew more about the Messiah that would come than anybody else. They had more knowledge about him than anybody else. So the ones that were supposed to know the most about God, when God was standing right in front of their eyes, they denied him to his face. Because they could not imagine that this man, who's a man just like them, could be God. He could be the Messiah. They couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that this man in front of them, Jesus, who rubbed them the wrong way, could potentially be the Messiah. And they wouldn't allow themselves to believe it, though he was standing right in front of them. I don't want to get too far off here, but think about that for a second. The, the Pharisees that knew from all we can tell, they knew the most about the one that was to come, right? He checked every one of the boxes that the Messiah was supposed to check. But he didn't check their boxes. When they looked at him, they could not imagine that this, surely he can't be the Christ. This man's not, there's another one that's going to come. There were some uh, some people... that that asked John the Baptist, are you the one that should come, or should we look for another? So they were looking for the Christ, but there he was, right in front of the face, and they missed him. It's amazing to me. Jesus was mocked, and Jesus was crucified by the very people that he came to this earth for. The Jews would say things like, this man maketh himself to be God. But what they didn't realize is that Jesus was not a man making himself to be God, but Jesus was God who made himself man. He was God manifest or revealed in the flesh. He was the image of the invisible God. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Is this all right this morning? Jesus is Lord. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. Let me move on, okay? We're going to move on. Jesus has already died. He's been buried. He rose again. He, has sent, he spent 40 days teaching of those things pertaining to the kingdom of God after his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he ascended into heaven. All right? Years down the road here, in Acts chapter 9, we read how that Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the people of God. The people that were following after this man named Jesus after he had been dead for a few few years there. Uh, they were following after this man named Jesus and Saul was a persecutor of the people of this way. So he's on his way to Damascus for no other reason but to persecute the church of the living God. And on his way to Damascus, a bright light from heaven shone down around him and it blinded him and he fell to his knees. And, and a voice from heaven, everybody say from heaven, a voice from heaven spoke and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? A a light from heaven blinded him. A voice from heaven spoke and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the conversation goes with Saul talking to this voice from heaven. He said, who art thou, Lord? And the voice from heaven said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Jesus is Lord. The Lord in heaven said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. I'm going somewhere with all this today, and I'm not a long-winded preacher, so here we go, all right? Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're reading the Old Testament, there's a passage, and I believe it's Isaiah 45, where God, Jehovah, said that unto me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear. Jehovah of the Old Testament said unto me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear. And we get to the New Testament. And Paul writes, he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of this earth. And one of these days, we're all going to confess it. There's that song, King of Glory. I don't know if y'all might want to play that here in a minute. But it starts out and says, yes, the world. It's going to bow down and say that you are God. Every man is going to bow down and say that you are king. And I love this song because it says, so let's start right now. Why should we wait? If one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, why don't we start today and say, Jesus Christ is lord jesus christ is king somebody say amen and clap your hands to the lord amen Amen. when we see that word lord in the new testament it speaks of supreme in authority ultimately there can only be one that is supreme in authority because if they're supreme in authority that means that all power belongs unto them. The Lord is he who, to whom a person or a thing belongs, such as their master, the possessor or the disposer of a thing, the owner, the one that is in control. And Lord is a title of honor and respect with which servants greet their master. And last but not least, Lord is a title given to God, a title given to the Messiah. I've come today to preach clearly, and you can come to the music if you want, but try my very best to preach clearly today that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of all creation. And we can even look at creation and we can see the invisible things clearly that Jesus is Lord. It declares his His glory. It declares his handiwork. His hands are all over it. Jesus is Lord of all. Somebody say of all. all. So this is where I'm going today. He's Lord of all. But all of us every day, we have to choose whether he's going to be Lord of our life or not. Whether we like it or not. He's Lord of all. Whether this world likes it or not, He's still Lord of all. Whether you serve Him or not, He's still Lord of all. Whether you go to church or not, He's still Lord of all. Whether you pray or not, He's still Lord of all. In one day, every knee is going to bow. And every it doesn't matter what they're out there worshiping today. It doesn't matter what they're serving with their life today. One day they're going to confess. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is the Lord. So if He is Lord of all, why not make Him Lord of your life? Why not make Him master of your life today? Maybe you look at me today, why don't we stand together? Maybe you look at me today and you say, well, I have made him master of my life a long time ago. Let me tell all of us today, we have to do this daily. Daily we get up and we say, Lord, well, I just said it, didn't I? Lord, can everybody say it with me, Lord? If you don't pray anything else (laughs) throughout the course of an entire day, that one word will do. Look to the heavens and say, Lord. And you know what we're saying when we say that? I'm not my own God. I can't make my own way. I can't do anything on my own. I'm nothing in and of myself. Lord, you're my master. You're my deliverer. You're my savior. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my way maker. You're my all in all. Could we lift our hands right here and just say that one word, Lord? Come on, can you say it again, Lord? Can we say it again, Lord? Lord. Now can we call him by name for a moment? Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You're not just Lord of this earth. Heaven above and earth beneath, but God, you're Lord of my soul. You're Lord of my priorities. You're Lord of my life. Nothing in this world is as important to me as you are, Lord. You are my master. You are my Savior. You're my Redeemer. You're my deliverer. If you're here today and you need Jesus to be the Lord of all, there's an old song that says, Jesus be the Lord of all. Be the Lord of all. Be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. Jesus, I surrender all. It's amazing to me that He can be Lord of all, but yet we have a choice daily whether or not He's going to be our Lord. We can live for whatever we want to live for. We can do whatever we want to do. So even though He's Lord of all, He's given us this choice that we can make daily whether or not we're going to serve Him. And I remind you of the Shema. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Lone Oak. Hear. The Lord our God is one Lord. And we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, as Jesus said, with all of our mind with all of our strength. Not only is He one, but we are to love Him. We are to serve Him with all that we are. If He's truly our Lord. I ask today if you're willing, I think all of us today, if you're willing today to step out from where you're at and find a place here along the front today, whether He's been Lord of your life for a long time or He's never been the Lord of your life today, I think would be a good day for all of us to say, I need you, Lord. I can't do it on my own. I'm nothing without you. I'm lost without you. I have no hope without you. And if you've been in this thing a long time, perhaps today is a good day to come down and quote that other old song that says, He's still Lord. I've been serving Him a long time, but He's still Lord. He's still God. He's still in control and today I want to just declare his name is Jesus and he is God of all and he's God of my life. Can we lift our hands to the Lord all over this place? Can we lift our voices to the Lord all over this place? God I thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. God I thank you for your word that we've heard this morning God. Lord we know that you are Lord of everything but God today we surrender all that we are before you and God, we make sure to make a declaration before we leave this place that though You're Lord of everything, You are also Lord of our lives. You're Lord of our priorities. You're Lord of our minds. You're everything to us. As they sing, can we worship the Lord together? And let's call on Him and say, Lord, I need You. Lord, I